Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate in 2003 nike signed 13 year old freddie adu to a seven-figure contract but freddie didn't live up to the hype he is turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are gonna look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joined by co-hosts Nick and Dan. Uh, gentlemen, we have a match review today. It is Sunday, so traditional day for the old reviews. And it's the little London derby with Spurs, all right? It's a lot to, to go into this one, or maybe not a lot, depending on uh, which way you went on this match. Uh, but before we get into the weeds, gentlemen, we can just go ahead and get into the three-word match review. To the point, Dan, this thing is being hyphenated. It's being abbreviated. I'm seeing three WMRs on the socials. You, this has taken on way too much of a personality. It's the it's exactly what you want to have happen. You know, you give life to something, and it continues to blossom through the wonderful contributions. And I think what's great is you start to see a little bit of themes or patterns happening. Some people with the overarching type of review mm -hmm. taking into effect the match and the context surrounding it our friend shane from discord with london is boring which definitely sums up this result we also had and i love both the bircules as the username on twitter but also he goes by dj roomba Fantastic Parks and Rex, 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 Rex reference. Take your time. Uh, sluggish Stanford stalemate. Like that. We had a couple of Great Blue Wall from Daniel Goal. Mourinho'd not entirely from the Edward Mendy simp account. We had Colin Wilcox with Boring Boring Tottenham. Drew, uh, a couple around Drew, Ty and uh, Bert from Discord with one, uh, one saying wanted Drew's forehead. And then missing meaty forehead. So a lot of kind of thought around maybe Drew should have started potentially or gotten on a little bit earlier. And then, there, you know, I also want to call it so if people did have some positive kind of thoughts around it too. Tried to kind of shade this in a bit of a different light. Uh, Bill of Rights from our Discord with 14 games unbeaten. Scott K had a very similar one with unbeaten in 14. Then Mandy on Twitter also with another clean sheet, exclamation point, exclamation point. So there was a gamut of emotions with these three or match reviews. And I imagine Brandon, ours are probably across the board a little bit as well. I, I, I was caught off guard by the whole unbeaten in 14. I have not been paying attention. So I need to uh, pull my head out of the sand and uh, <laughs> figure out what's been going on. But anyways, mine was uh, top six record. That'll be a big thing that I want to talk about in this one, kind of touching on Frank's lineup and maybe substitution decisions uh nick what about you well as as dan will note i'm in a glass case of emotion all the time so there's <laughs> that um i've recently finished watching the queen's gambit on netflix and thus my three-word match review is the league's gambit check me. okay yeah i win 
Oh, okay. Uh, well, Dan, participation trophy for you. We'll let you go ahead and throw it out there. <laughs> wow. Well, I went with marathon, not sprint, because I'm going with the zoomed out context. Didn't you do something like that last week? You could do and it every I, week. <laughs> I almost thought about going with why not us just to, to troll Nick, because yeah. mathematically it's a point and it's also Tottenham getting three points. So mathematically, it's not perfect, but still progress. All right. Well... Uh, moving on, what we're going to be covering in this episode, uh, give you a little preview of the deets, is going to be Jose gonna Jose and how Frank tried to counter these tactics. Uh, the options in attack when your strikers are off target and you're going up against a 10-man defense. And then lastly, we'll touch on the midfield's dominance and what this means looking ahead to the rest of December. If you have not looked at December, please do yourself a favor. <laughs> it's a or joke. Not. It's an actual joke. What's Six coming up? matches rescheduled for television. Which means terrible timing for us. Uh, that means Mondays, Fridays, the whole gambit, since that's going to be the buzzword of this episode. Mm-hmm. And it just, you need to get your schedule in order, especially if you're a working professional that has to balance that. Like, do that now. It is going to be said disaster. Uh, but before we get into what I just went over, huge thank yous, right? Patreon Tim, uh, thank you very much. And to the rest of you, uh, I have caught up on shipping everything out. So if you didn't get your stuff, message me. I'm handling it now, and I will get it out this week. Uh, Dan, over to you for seeing Apple Podcast reviewers. Yeah, three Apple Podcast five-star reviews dropping in, which we appreciate so much. We had William the Blue Swede. We had The Real Snow Toes, who also goes by Snowy from Bondi, Australia, from Down Under, dropping some five-star love. And then also Genghis Bongus, who left a five-star review as well. These names cool. are so good all the time. <laughs> uh, Genghis was inspired to leave their review after the CJ episode where he came on because he also was a, a war eagle as well. And so he had to leave a five-star review afterwards. And, you know, we might try to get CJ back on again sooner rather than later. So stay tuned for that. But, hey, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Helps people find the show, which we appreciate. A lot of Blues supporters out there getting into podcasts for the first time. And we need to help connect with them. So drop a five-star review complain about nick's mustache again or compliment him for having wonderful taste and watching the queen's gambit whatever you want to do whatever you want to call out up to you just go leave that five star review and if you're listening to this cj we will be in touch shortly (laughs) uh yeah so just remember that uh but it's now my turn for the goods as we said in our spurs preview we're doing this little thing called merch madness okay brandon named it but i i've come up with the meat of, of the concept here. Recently, Milwaukee Blues, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm, I'm wearing one of your hats. It is wonderful. It's a nice flat bill. Uh, they sent us a bunch of merch. Uh, we paid for a lot of it, and then they sent us a random gift of merch. I mean, it kind of got us thinking about other U.S. chapters or affiliated groups, whether it's U.S. or around the world, whatever it is. Um, we want to know what the best merch is out there. We're putting out a casting call. We want to know local chapter Chelsea adjacent not trademark infringement uh merch out there uh because we want to buy it at full price and then do some sort of a bracket after where the winner the top three or whoever gets uh some sort of bar tab to help the bar staffs at some of these bars that are going through a difficult time during covid or to do you know a donation uh to the charity of their choice so we think this is a cool concept we're gonna buy your merch full price and we're going to do a thing at the end to hopefully benefit some some of our, uh, our group. So uh, if you can, uh, please let us know. We're going to put out some tweets and Instagram posts this week. Uh, send us DMs, send us links to your merch store, whatever. Uh, and we will uh, we'll be in touch and start to to make some some simple purchases uh, on your behalf. Yeah, really excited about this. Obviously, just the ability to highlight uh, some different things going around in our community. Um, it's going to be fun. So... Uh, Let's jump in to the match review here. The meat of it all uh, that was against Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League this past Sunday, the 29th of November, at Stamford Bridge, a quiet Stamford Bridge, but sounds like not for much longer, dot, dot, dot. Uh, scoreline, Chelsea nil, Tottenham nil. And that's about as exciting as I can get on that scoreline. Uh, apparently, Nick predicted a draw, but I don't think it was nil, nil. It was a 1-1, you said? Yeah, it was 1-1, because I, I can't get that lucky, you know? Exactly. So you, so you get partial points for that one 
Uh, Nick, or no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Dan, you can run us through the lineup. I'm still going to try to figure out where to fit you in here, Nick. Uh, but until then, Dan, lineup. So we had Benny Mendy between the sticks. Tiago Silva captaining the side next to Kurt Zuma with Chilwell and Reese James on the flank. The settled back five, no surprise. N'Golo Kante, Mason Mount, and Mateo Kovacic with the rare start this season. Tammy Abraham, Timo Werner, and Hakim Ziyech, all the front three had to offer Keppa, Antonio Rudiger, Cesar Aspilicueta, and Jorginho unused substitutes in this match. Christian Pulisic, Kai Havertz, and Olivier Giroud all made appearances in the match from the subs bench. Top line stats coming at you. Chelsea was 60% possession to Tottenham's 40. We had 13 shots. God, only, really? yeah. only 60%? It seemed like 80% there for a minute. So well, it, it definitely probably banded throughout the match. Uh, 13 shots, only three on target, though. Tottenham had five shots, one on target. Can't wait to see what their expected goals is like. Uh, Outpassed, out-touched, out-tackled, out... No, they out-cleared us. All right, they had 12 clearances to start 11. Three corners apiece. uh, Four yellow cards for us. Highly questionable. Two for them. We conceded 20 fouls. They apparently only conceded nine. Huh. I'm fine with that. It's a London Derby. I just get at him. Kind of, kind of get into that a little bit, and then the expected goals here. Um, so the XG map for Chelsea Spurs, 0.9 for Chelsea, 0.2 for Tottenham. Tottenham, by the way, in the second half had an expected goals of 0.0. Now I think that's good, isn't it? Isn't it good if they have a XG of 0.0? Doesn't that mean our defense has done? an incredible job as to not even let a chance that would be seeming as like a goal scoring opportunity through. I mean, defensively. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. the, the point nines. All right. You know, not bad. Um, not it, good it, because it's not one. Yep. It, it they, they were shocking. So look, Dan Mourinho going to Mourinho, right? Right away. The first thing we can talk about is that it, it was what we expected. All right, we pretty much called this, and and it's not that we're geniuses; it's that it's what Jose does. We have All eyeballs, right? and we've watched them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, despite Jose saying his dressing room was unhappy with the result, classic mind game BS. Uh, they came to take a point and try to win on the counter, and that's exactly what they did. Um, I guess a shout out to at XG Philosophy who said Tottenham accumulated zero point zero zero XG in the second half of today's match. Really. Really went for it. You know, he did put LaCelso on, but then put Ben Davies on. It's, it's defensive from the beginning. You know, he'll say he had injuries and we're missing people. We all are. But this is just classic Jose getting stuck into it. So, uh, Dan, I don't know if you want to touch on the 4-3-3 from a formation standpoint. Um, if you want to talk about the personnel that was decided, I'll kind of let you uh, take us on a little choose-your-own-adventure. No wow. pressure. All right. Well, I'm going to turn to page 54, which is going to take me down the path of going through the way we set up and the shape here. You know, we had talked before recording around maybe, you know, does Frank go with a back three, back five situation and try to maybe give them a little bit more fight in the the center, commit a few more forward. That really wasn't what happened, but in general, if the team is just going to sit back and let you come at them wave and wave and wave, the 4-3-3 was perfectly fine because the players who have been some of the most creative for us all season in Ben Chilwell and Reese James had plenty of latitude to go forward and to attempt crosses and try to connect. The challenge then became that really there was no space in a nine-man, ten-man defense at times to get anything for. I mean, Harry Kane was so far back at times. I mean, he was like a, a defensive mid in, you know, kind of the heat map situation. And so outside of, you know, moving the ball quicker, which is, I think, where this side really struggled today, is that there there were moments where we were getting the ball forward. There were moments where we were finding goodness, but the passing lanes closed super, super quick, and we just weren't very sharp on our passing. There were a lot of sideways balls that we were kind of kicking back and forth. So, like, the, I, what I will say is, yeah, it's great that we had, you know, 650 
passes, 800 touches to their 588 and 430, uh, 438 respectively. But we didn't do that much more with it, yet we had more possession and more time on the ball, Nick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what we talked about in our preview. I mean, like, I, I was thinking back to our preview, and I, I actually re-listened to it earlier today. We were pretty dead on about a lot of stuff that happened here. I mean, obviously, I, I got the formation wrong, but um, what remained to me was that width was everything. They threw such a compact defensive shape at us that on the rare occasion that we could push our fullbacks up enough to have some width, we did find joy, you know, but it's, it, it was just a hard proposition because I think as Frank noted, the minute you commit too many players forward is the minute that a misplaced pass gets you in a lot of trouble because they're they're like a coiled spring that's ready to release on the other side. And so, you know, if you listen to his his post-match press conference, it was he, he seemed very happy with the fact that we didn't give away a stupid counterattack goal. But I think in equal parts he was looking at this saying, we had like we could have buried this thing. Like you know, they weren't offering that much. You go a goal up or maybe you know, a goal up brings them out of their shell a little bit. You're able to hit them for another one. The game's over, right? So I, I understand the the tricky proposition that everyone is in uh, and all of our players were in. But I think given the, the fact that it's almost December, Brandon, this is where the league typically, you start to understand where the tectonic plates are going to shift in a league, right? You know, maybe your Aston Villa start to, you know, kind of, get back towards the middle of the table. Your Southamptons lose a little bit today against United. Like you can start to see the shift. You just can't lose this game. You can't. And I think the team set out and did a very good job in, in just staying alive. Well, I think that's what the lineup told me when we went out there, uh, mainly with Kovacic, Mount and Conte in the midfield. Uh, Kovacic is going to scrap. He's going to keep possession but he's not, you know, he's not known for slotting through balls or you know over the top passes through, and definitely not for finishing. So I think it was the goal was to just not lose the battle, and that's what we got today. But you know, on the flip side, we did create a lot of chances, and and, and we're going to touch talk about strikers next. So I won't get into it. So I think that we definitely did enough to win. I feel like the starting eleven when I saw it, I was happy with it. You know, you assume that Pulisic isn't 100 healthy, which we talked about in the preview. You assume Kai Alberts isn't. 100% healthy, and it sounds like he had some pretty strong um, symptoms from COVID, which I didn't hear about. But the announcers were privy to those details, and and are you know they're sharing that with us today. But you know, so now you kind of look at him in a different light as well, of just you know what condition he's in. So um, I think that you know we talked a lot about Tottenham being low on energy coming off their Thursday match, even though it was a bit of a cruise, and they were there not to lose as well. I mean, the amount that Kerry Hain Harry Kane tracked back. Um, I mean, he was a non-threat going forward just because of the selfless role, quote-unquote, he plays for this team. You know, he he drops back even when the ball gets forward. He's not in or on the box. He took a free kick that was pretty pretty far off. But, I mean, overall, thankfully, he wasn't, you know, much of a factor. And so I think they looked a bit leggy. I think we looked tense as if we didn't want to concede anything and because of that dan your point of the passing lanes closing quickly we were just worried about not turning it over in dangerous positions and maybe going backwards another level or sideways away from pressure a little bit um, because we didn't want to give up the ball in a stupid position we didn't want to get beat our goal is to get out of there uh just not losing and if we happen Mm -hmm. to score and we happen to take all three points amazing that definitely wasn't the the strategy and I think that's why a lot of fans are frustrated today. I think saw a lot of frustration at the end. Mourinho did exactly what he wanted to do. He, he knew, especially with the Liverpool result earlier, that all he had to do was draw and he'll stay atop the table. That's good for him. Like He is literally on a week-to-week basis with this league now. We saw it when he's in, in, in charge of Chelsea. This is how he's going to do it for Tottenham. But uh, you know, I, I, it wasn't inspiring. You know, But at the same time, I don't feel like we took a step back. So... 
you know, you kind of you kind of take some, you give some. That, that's the whole point of this, you know, that why we're putting this first, right, is to provide some perspective as to where we are. You know, Chelsea, <clears throat> as was noted in the three-word match review, we're 14 matches unbeaten, which if you think back to the great runs that we had, you know, beginning of last year, beginning of the, the Conte season, is up there with any of those, right? 14 is a lot. <laughs> we haven't lost a competitive match since Spurs in the Cup, and even then, that's not our primary focus this year. So, yeah, I think a lot of fans wrote that off, Dan. You know, losing to Liverpool in September when they had a kind of a full team, there's no shame in that for, you know, for a relatively new squad. They haven't lost in the league since then. And, if you know, again, it's not where you want to be in the table necessarily right now, but if you would have said at the beginning of September with everything that's going on, all the COVID nonsense, all the international break nonsense, everything that we'd be third two points off in entering into what is going to be a hellscape of a December when everybody in the league is going to be leggy, everybody's going to be playing second-choice players, everybody's going to be doing that kind of stuff, then I would feel really good about where we are in squad depth and thinking about how to maximize the opportunity moving forward. Well, when you also consider, to the point you made, when we played Liverpool, we hadn't gotten Mendy in yet. We still did not have every one of our new signings available for that. You know, Ziyech was was still unavailable due to injury in the preseason. And so that that's a thing to consider as well. Mendy was out for the Southampton game injured. You know, that's an, another thing to consider too. That could have been a very winnable game for us with a, a different keeper between the sticks. So th- this side could have comfortably been top of the table right now. And that's with today's results staying the way that it was. And so, yeah, if you were making the statement of would you be comfortable with Chelsea being firmly in the top three, top four, if you want to kind of assign a win to United for the game they have in hand, a win for Manchester City ahead of Manchester City, two points off of Liverpool in contention for everything. I think you would have taken that at the beginning of the season. And so I think we just it's about being a little calm and trying to pull back from the context of it, because I think it's it's easy to overreact with this. But also, I, I'm, I'm going to say this, Tottenham are a be- a better side this season under Mourinho than they were last season. And so that's something to kind of keep in mind too, is that, you know, Regulon has actually, I think, helped improve them a bit on their, their left-handed attack. Sun has been playing exceptional and, and Rodon actually came in and didn't have a, a bad game um, for kind of the deputized center back. So, I mean, there, there were, and, and Nabelli was really, really good. You know, he was really good in the first half. And so there were good performances on the other side of the ball. And it can't just be insular. Like, what went wrong with Chelsea today? Because, Nick, to that point, like, Spurs also had some decent performances that were committed to the game plan. Well, and and look, I get it, right? This is Spurs. Like, this is a London derby. This is high intensity. This is against a former manager for a team that we all, um, at the strongest possible terms, dislike. And it's for the top of the league, right? So to not come out with a convincing victory, I understand why a lot of fans thought that this was a huge disappointment. I would just ask Brandon that that we that while we may be disappointed for not finishing some of the chances that we had and putting this game to bed, that we look at the bigger picture and understand that you know if if the worst that Spurs can do to us in the league this season is throw ten men behind the ball. And just hope that we don't score on them. Like in in the bigger picture, we're going to beat a lot of teams. You know, I think that you know we did enough to win, which is positive. We pretty much nullified Spurs, which is a positive. Um, the end result just didn't go our way. But the kind of what I was going to get into a little bit, and I'll probably hold off those. You know, I'm sure Lampard has the table in their office with the staff, but then they also have the top six, the traditional top six. I'm not talking about Southampton, Everton, you know, you know, the big six, because we usually hear in a title race, however you did against your rival top six is the difference at the end of the season. And last season we were horrible against the top six. So if you're like, all right, last season we got fourth and and we didn't do that well. If we can improve three, four, six points this season, that that's massive so 
even though it sucks drawing spurs, they don't get an edge over us. We're essentially it's a it's you push. You know, we've already lost to Liverpool. Um I was going through results. Uh you drew Man yep. United. And now we, we played Tottenham, right? So you know, you still have Arsenal, City, Leicester, you know, to go before the end of the you know, right right at the end of the year. That that kind of gives you a, a, a chance to see how things stack up gives you a chance to see how how things go but it doesn't give them points against you you know so uh, i again i think that the the while it was maybe not overly inspiring i think that chelsea walk away happier as a team than spurs because i felt like at least we had something to show for our effort today and tottenham really didn't and i think that is important for us to to take that into consideration when we analyze the the big picture and they can bluster all they want you know they can they can talk trash at the end of this. That like, oh, I got the job done. You know, Regulon can post on Instagram or, or a tweet that will certainly come back to bite him and his team in the ass at the end of the year when they finish fifth. Like, they can do all that right now. And, like, they whatever. It is what it is, right? But if you were a betting person, your money's not on Spurs after this game. Now, were they okay? Did they kind of do a job? Sure. But... You have to look at the squad depth of both squad. You know, it's just you feel better about Chelsea. End of. All right. Um, let us know what you guys think. Again, I saw a lot of upset people, unhappy people. I understand the sentiment, but after hearing what we said, reach out. Let's engage on social on this one. I'm really interested in hearing the perspectives. It'll definitely be on our Discord server uh, after this pod. So if you're interested in talking to people about it, uh, check it out on Patreon. Um, but we're going to take a real quick break. But like I said, when we get back, we're talking strikers. All right. There's a lot of discussion about Tammy, uh, Timo, and then Oli Giroud when he came on. Um, and I think that we're going to have a, a lot to talk about. Then, obviously, we'll talk about the midfield right after that. So, again, thank you to the sponsors for, for financially supporting the show. Thank you to Jeremiah Ludacris for supporting the ads with Awesome Beats. We'll be right back. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in the hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. It's a lot. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 2020 has been hard enough. And you know what? Worrying about your routine for taking care of business below the belt shouldn't have to be one of those things you're concerned about. Thankfully, our friends at Manscaped are making your life simple, and they're going to allow you to turn your bathroom with a snap into your very own private. This is the exact copy from the text. Dong Salon. You know, they're, they're concerned about your bangers and mash. They don't want it to look like a mess. You know, they don't want it to be the worst. Get it? Bangers and mash and worst. Anyway, they just released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. The lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with the advanced skin safe technology that helps reduce grooming accidents. That's a plus. Waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower and for up to 90 minutes, hopefully not all in one sitting. And they also released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on for their lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Their perfect package pun intended, comes with two free gifts and other liquid formulations to help complete your ball trimming routine. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraffin-free, if you know what all those are, to keep your, yes, this is in the text too, disco stick in good hands. Look, you're probably thinking about it, you know, you want to keep yourself smelling fresh, you got the crop preserver for keeping the odor to a minimum downstairs, they've got a crop reviver 
cocooner that is spray-on for the jewels. And then they've also got a foot duster deodorant. So good, you can even reduce the odor of the dirtiest feet. All these things sound great. And you know what? They got a code for our listeners. London is blue. It's a 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. And so, you know, if you want to protect the package and not, uh, not have it be the worst, uh, go hit it up now. Manscaped.com is the code London is blue for 20% off plus free shipping. All right. Tammy was probably trending in the Chelsea Twitterverse after this match. Uh, and not for good reasons, I would say, Dan. So I'll kind of let you tee up where you want to go with this. Uh, on Tammy, he had a lot of shots, a lot of opportunities, didn't quite get one. I think that's what people are most upset about right now. Well, when we think about the entirety of the team, again, stepping back before zooming in, the whole team expected goal 0.9, right? So you would hope that you would maybe round up to one. Tammy had 0.4 of that and the rest kind of accumulated. So Tammy would have been the most likely out of that to convert a chance because he had more than one chance. But I, I don't think, and actually I really enjoyed this tweet from Phil uh, at Chelsea Youth, who's been on the show multiple times before, talking about just some of the opportunities that Tammy found himself in. And just I'll read it and then we'll kind of go in a little bit further. But were either of those Reese crosses low, then you could say more confidently that Tammy should do better. But high crosses at pace, needing a header on arrival while under pressure are much harder. Chances, sure, but not easy ones. The crosses look so good, you just want it finished, which I think is part of watching it. And the difference when you get to watch it in person and you can see some of that versus trying to watch on TV and assess the speed, the flight of the ball, you're missing the, the depth perception to be able to uh, perceive it appropriately. You need the multiple camera angles. But... I think outside of the shots, which none of them, I think, were an easy opportunity. I don't think, you know, none of it was the Timo sitter across the box. All of them were in contention with someone else, you know, someone kind of on him, him trying to find or make space, him, you know, maybe being a little early on arrival, which was the other thing I actually think was a really good call out from the NBC commentators after the match was that you know he maybe needs to kind of get held up in training and then he could get released by a uh, by someone so that he can get that timing down this a little bit more perfectly. But everything else he was contributing was really solid. Again, we were complimenting his hold up play. We were complimenting the way that he was making himself available for for others and trying to bring others in. It just this was a tall ask against a nine ten man defense nick to try and make something happen you know you were looking for a moment of brilliance a moment of magic and it just it didn't come no. off today no it didn't i mean i think tammy's going to be upset at himself for sure the crosses from reese are beautiful to watch but i think you know is there a reason that more of them aren't getting converted i don't know uh, you know it i i know that's everyone's kind of you know, thing they're upset about today and has been for a while that the the crosses coming in are so beautiful. We keep talking about how Reese's crosses are are on point. They're they're some of the best in the league, but we don't finish them very often. So one wonders: are they training with these crosses frequently? Like, I don't know. It, it just seems weird that you know you you have a weapon up in Liverpool who can do the same thing and, and his crosses get finished off all the time. So, you know, perhaps there's some work to be done there. I, I look at Tammy today as just off the pace a little bit. Uh, I think he struggled to get into the game. He didn't start filling that holdup role until halfway through the first half. And then it was not really that effective because there were so many people behind the ball. Um, they were just kind of letting him float and pass and float and pass. And he wasn't really a threat. And then when he did make the runs, you know, the the weird Ziyech ball that he hit with his shin, the two crosses from Reese, you know, just just wasn't there. And, you know, again, these guys have all played a thousand matches in three months. So, I, you know, is it legs? Maybe. Is it lack of focus? Maybe. Is it anything? Sure. He wasn't good enough today. He'll know that. He'll, he'll move it forward. He... He's come up clutch this season so many times already that I'm not I'm not worried about him, but it would have been really nice if he would have scored today. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. 
and that would have changed the day entirely. That he did a really, really good job to get around Dyer on the end line. Um, just, just beat him up. He was out on the Dusted wing, him. teed him up, and just, yeah, uh-huh. and and got by him. And I thought that was really, really great to see him, him having the confidence. Uh, I think he tried to take on people a couple times in the match. I think that was a positive sign of, of Tammy, because you don't always think of him being, you know, quick to beat someone. You know, he's a um, skilled footballer. There was that phase though, and I actually found like that was where we were having some semblance of getting it into more dangerous positions when he actually started to kind of flutter to the right. Ziesh kind of dropped into more of that central position and found like they were giving him just a little bit more space to kind of maneuver and operate. And I would have liked to seen that potentially for a little bit longer of a spell because it, it kind of snapped back in after that where Tammy kind of went back more central, Timo shifted back left and then Ziesh kind of popped back into the right. But that's where... You know, when Kai came in later in the game and you saw him kind of in that midfield area, making himself available, giving a little bit more kind of distribution option outlet there, that was allowing some feeding options like to Mason or forward that we just weren't getting in the earlier part of the match. So to, to wrap up my, my taming part, was it just that I I would have liked to have seen him do a little bit better? Uh, I think because of said crosses... There was a lot of clamor for Giroud to come in because he has made himself quite the career off using his head to score a lot of goals. And, and, you know, maybe Tammy's still working it out. I think most of the goals we've seen him score with his feet. It's not that he can't score with his head, but it is a it is a difficult skill. And Ole Giroud has done himself a lot of good by using his head uh, in and around the box. So... Um, I think that's why a lot of the the conversation was, would Giroud have been a better option from the start? He has less minutes played. He seems to be on a pretty good run, especially when you look at the Champions League. Had we... The only catch I say, Nick, is I didn't even expect Spurs to sit back as far in it with as many people as they did. I think if you would have known going in that they were going to sit back with nine you know, or ten, then maybe it makes sense to push Giroud, who's bigger, stronger... And better in the air because we were Spurs were letting us cross it. You know, they're like, all right, Timo Werner, not a big deal. Mason Mount, not a big deal. Akim Ziyech, aerially, no threats. And then Tammy is maybe a B in the air, you know? So I think that's why a lot of people were seeing the way Chelsea were playing and we were being managers from the couch saying, change it, change it. But again, with only three substitutions, you can't just change after 25 minutes. You're not knowing how the rest of the match is going to go. But I think that is why people were clamoring in hindsight yeah. or in the middle of the match for, for Giroud to come on. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of scenarios here, right? Like, Frank's got a damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, right? There's always that. It's like, you know, Giroud scores the goal, so then you start him the next match and maybe he doesn't play as well. And then you're just like, well, why did you play Giroud? Um, then it's, you know, I think the scenario that most would be comfortable with is probably should have brought him on sooner. Um, I, I think you could pretty much tell what was going to happen around the halfway mark. Um, but I saw a good tweet today that I, I truly believe in the in the damned if he does, damned if he doesn't category of tweets. Drew is probably better equipped to finish off the chances that Tammy had, and Tammy's probably better equipped to finish off the chance that Drew had at the end. Yep. <laughs> and again, what do you do with that? <laughs> I, you know, I, I think if you're Frank, it's just like, well, shit. Um, you know. In an in a opposite world, maybe everything's way different. But uh, I, I do think that it just signals the need for every player in this squad to be ready at some point this season, whether they're playing a lot right now or not, because um, we're going to get to Kovacic in a minute, but there there are plenty of opportunities in a absurd, and I say that with no sarcasm whatsoever, uh, December coming up, and Giroud's going to have to be ready to play. I mean, it, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Tammy took a knock early in this game, and I, you know, kind of wonder if that was a factor. You know, he was kind of limping around a little bit. So, just all things being equal, everyone has to be ready. It's just a shame that the finishing wasn't quite on point today. Yeah, I think the the other one that man, you wish it had been on side was Timo's attempt in the beginning, <laughs> which. 
just a rocket. It was such a good take on the ball. You know, Mason maybe could have released it a little bit sooner. I mean, that that's yep. the thing there. Maybe I mean Timo just has one speed, and you know I, I much like like Tammy doesn't necessarily always kind of hold the run off. They're going to try the run and because they want to get there and get the goal. And so I credit both of them for their desire to get in the position to make a goal happen. Just it it was one of the unfortunate ones where. You know, that, I, I mean, how many times has Harry Kane gotten a onside for that type of close proximity call? It just it just went didn't go our way on that one. But it's good to see that, you know, there is that kind of chemistry uh, forming between our players. I Brandon, I, I think everybody who's played FIFA in their life will know that you got to release that sooner. <laughs> and that that ball the, or the, the shot that Timo put in. That's just that's just your RB shot. That's a beautiful RB shot from that weird angle. If you've ever played with the bombing, that's the only way you can score in FIFA is that shot. So it it was hilarious, but I think it does bring up an interesting point, Brandon, which is our players still haven't figured out how to release Timo to his full capacity. They haven't given him the ball in front early enough, and they haven't let him do what he is really, really good at, which is taking a ball in full stride and going. Yeah kind of surprised me that i mean it's like a very easy thing to execute on and like let him do his thing i think kai is more likely to do it because they do it in the german national team but without kai uh you know right now kai and timo have definitely the best hookup uh chemistry link up however you want to phrase it and you know it didn't happen today so he definitely had to play a little bit more restricted which is frustrating again though tottenham playing very deep so that way rodan didn't have to get exposed or he left one-on-one a lot of help defense from them, you know. They sent, you know, especially with, uh, um, well, obviously Oisberg and uh, Sissoko sitting back. I mean, the entire time, never getting anywhere forward. Um, so it, they they definitely made sure to give him the cover he needed, um, and it it kind of squeezed out out Werner on that on that. Unfortunately, um, it seems like a promising start. Ziyech had that left-footed hit right away. I mean, it went right to Yoris, but like, all right, a little bit of promise. Uh, it was good to see Mason. It was good to see Chilwell take his shot, even <laughs> though it was terrible off that corner kick. Chest to his right foot volley that skied. Um, a lot of uh, Alonzo cheers after that, calling for him to come in and take that. Um, the best one of the match, though, came from Mason Mount. Absolutely yep hit the piss out of it brilliant hit i cannot believe that your was up to that one but he did mm-hmm. so well to get low to his left and save it strong hand um that was that was frustrating because that was the one that that was in in these matches you just need one uh and mason after getting kicked by los celso regained his composure and l- unleashed that shot it was just really really brutal that um not even that that clean of an opportunity could come in obviously uh, Danny talked about Drew's shot, you know, trying to take it early and, and dump it over your reach just didn't didn't come off. But again, I think while we can be annoyed we didn't score, the opportunities were there against the top team. We just were on the wrong side of the finishing today, but it didn't cost us. So knock on wood. Well, and that just a quick note on that Mason shot. The angle that you got from behind the goal showed how much that ball moved. Mm-hmm. And like, if Mason can do that more frequently with the one or two shots he gets a game, he's he's gonna score some goals for us, and they're gonna be stunners because that would have been awesome. It reminded me of the long shot he took and scored versus De Gea last season, where it mm-hmm. just, it was speculative, right? Let me let me test the keeper. Let's see what's going on. Let's try to get something from it and you know it was the whole franking you know lamp the gaffer encouraged me to take the shot from distance and you know that was one of the things that we didn't probably test Larice enough during this match if we're going to be critical about anything from our shot selection standpoint is that we really tried to deliver it in when there was not necessarily a man advantage right it's you know one attacker with two yeah. defenders and a keeper in a box we don't have the numbers advantage in that situation that is where you would have wanted to say, hey, Timo, don't try to carry it across the front. Like, just try a shot from distance, you know, do something that's going to be a little bit more creative. You know, I mean, even Kovacic tried to kind of uncork one from a little bit further out. And look, it bounced right off the guy. 
But at least then you make them consider and you know, force them to try to close down versus sitting back. And maybe that frees up somebody else. It looks like Yuri's had three saves on the day. Um, so, you know, not a little bit. This is funny. I haven't been on Who Scored in a while. I don't oh know where God. else to go Please get stats quick. Please don't bring quick. it back. Please don't bring it back. And Ndombele was the man of the match with a 7.6 rating. He was okay, but... But 7.6 was man of the match. <laughs> like, yeah, well, there was no goal scorer and there was no really you know other standout performer i mean like i think i think we have a candidate on our side that i want to talk about next but uh, well we might because our highest player was kovacic so if we look to the midfield um kovacic was our highest ranked player there Uh, i saw a lot of people asking for him to be man of the match i might have not been paying attention to him i didn't see much from him other than like conservative play tidy play i didn't see anything dynamic but You're that doesn't bonkers. mean doing the blue-collar dirty work of being tidy isn't important. And again, I'm saying maybe I just wasn't looking to him. I think I was much more looking at our attackers and the positions they were in and how they are trying to exploit that back line. So maybe, Nick, you can you can cue me in on what he did because, again, I, I just wasn't watching that part of the field today. And so when I saw those shouts for it, I, it kind of caught me off guard in Discord. Allow him to reintroduce himself. His name is Cove. Oh, man. Just right in with the Jay-Z line. You guys like that? Wow, that was um, terrible. It actually was pretty good. Uh, thanks, Dan. Uh, <laughs> I will uh, I will say this. Kovacic did a lot well today. It, it was, I think it was surprising to me because he hasn't been tremendous this year so far. Not Certainly not to his early season standards last year. Uh, but part of me wonders if he plays up to the level of competition or and down vice versa because we've seen some like kind of abject performances from him against you know your West Proms or your Watfords or you know kind of your bottom table teams but I thought he was excellent today he broke up play you know had you know we'll, we'll go through the stats here in a second I'll let Dan do the do the stat readout he broke up play he broke their press, you know, which was the only weird thing about what Spurs did today. Is they had this like kind of weird half press that they were rolling with their front players, and he was able to break that pretty effortlessly. He was able to d- deliver a couple of decent passes, and I think overall, to me, was an engine for us in the way that Mason typically is. Um, and I, I was just really, really impressed. He did catch my eye, and I think he was able to, with some nifty passing and tight spaces and and some really nice dribbling, uh, get out of tough spaces and advance the ball and help break Spurs down, at least when we were in transition. Um, now, again, we, we know, Dan, that he's not going to be an offensive dynamo once they're, once he's against a block 10, but uh, I, was, I was pretty impressed today with Kovacic. He did a really strong match, and I probably have been more critical of him on our show than most and so i'll say that you know so his stats uh, from Statman dave 95 percent pass accuracy 24 26 forward passes 10 ball recoveries five tackles attempted four tackles one three interceptions two fouls one one shot tidy on the ball and influential off it i do think that angolo conte would have been the person I would have eyed as having a better performance from a midfield perspective. But I could see where with the way that he, this was the perfect type of match for him. I don't actually think it's a issue of, it's not an issue of, does he play up to the competition? I think the better way to explain what it was or what this situation is, is teams that are going to let us have a ton of the ball are perfect for Kovacic because he's just about getting recovery back on trying to bring the ball up and distribute it to someone else who's a more creative, a more offensive-minded player to allow them to do something creative. I I think that's where, though, when we saw Havertz come on later, you kind of wonder if Havertz had been on, do we potentially get the goal? I, I think... Kovacic is enough to make sure that you don't lose the game. I guess the, the flip side would be is the Kovacic should to do you enough to win the game? Well, I, like, I think there are a couple of things here, right? Because the three interceptions, the 10 ball recoveries, those are things that don't allow Spurs to do what they want to do. Which, you know, you, you could talk about, sure, he's not scoring the winning goal or providing the winning assist, but 
to me, those are game winning, you know, game winning worthy types of, of movements or motions or plays that allow you to do what you should do. Like, it, you know, I would agree that like, he's again, he's not an offensively gifted player, although he had a couple of goals in international play, which is funny. Um, but you looked at the midfield engine between him and Conte today, it was midfield dominance. You know, Hoiberg was basically playing as a, another center back for most of the match and was trying to, you know, was trying to sit back. Sissoko and, and Dombelli were, were trying to advance the ball against him. And, and Dombelli did okay against Conte. He had a couple of little neat dribbles or whatever. But, I mean, it's just, you're playing full strength and goal of Conte. It's just, you're not going to win. Um, so, Brandon, maybe that's helpful. Maybe that's instructive as to what we saw from Kovacic today because, Again, if you lose the midfield against Spurs, I think you're in real trouble, and we clearly did not. You know, he did a really good job tracking out wide and filling the gaps to allow Ziyech to get up, um, help Reese a little bit. You know, he's looking at 10 ball recoveries, you know, to your point. I mean, that, that just means he was sniffing out the ball. He was looking to get involved. I mean, the stats show he was massively involved. You know, Dan, I get, I get your point, right? Like, Kovacic took a shot, though. It looked decent. It just went to a crowd of people and didn't make it, you know, to, to your east to find out what was going to happen. Um, but, no, I think that, you know, in a perfect world, you definitely get more going forward with Kai Alberts, no doubt. Um, but that's why you've kind of got Kovacic very tidy on the ball. He had a great run, right, where he's pulled down by Rigolon, um towards their goal. Uh, where he took it out of tight spaces and just kept going. And he just kind of found another gear I didn't know he had. Well, right about midfield, I thought he was going to get caught. And then sure enough, he pushed by again, you know. And so um, there are definitely some bright spots from him. I think he feels the pressure to evolve his game as well, which is good. That is good pressure for a player. Mm-hmm. You know, last season, if you're essentially comparing yourself to Jorginho, he knows he's probably got a leg up. Conte is the other option. You know, and Conte, we know what he can do. So Kovacic is probably a little bit comfortable this season, you know, having Mason out strictly playing in the midfield and seeing how box to box is, Kai Avert's coming in and being so dynamic. Uh, he's got to find a way to get in, you know, and the only way to do that is to is to stand out and, and make positive impacts in the team. Yeah, I mean, if, if, when Conte's in world beater mode, you, you have one slot spoken for, <laughs> right? So... Uh, I think I think it's a good point that uh, you know your Kai Havertz of the world, your Mason Mounts of the world, have been favorites, right, for these roles, and for Kovacic to continue to get quality minutes against big opposition, not just cup teams or not just the odd weird Champions League game, he's got, he has to put in performances like this. Now I will say, if he does play like he did today, it's going to cause a lot of selection headaches for Frank because. While I, I love Mason, we all love Mason, Kovacic did some stuff today that, that Mason just didn't do because Mason was kind of pushing up trying to be the more creative player, and it clearly it was tough to come off against what was a you know kind of a, a white wall of, of shirts, right? So th- this is going to be interesting. I, you know, if, if you're Kovacic, the spot you're looking at is Mason's spot when Havertz is back. And so it's those two fighting, which is all we've ever wanted in this squad is battles for places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. And and as why it's also important is because what I'm about to get into here is a whole hell of a lot of rotation. So, you know, I told you to go do your own homework, right? I told you out there, the listener, to go look up the December fixtures. Just kidding. I got you. Get your pen and paper out. All right. Maybe your notepad on your phone. Dad told you to go mow the lawn, but he's really going to do it himself. You know, Saturday, <laughs> December fifth, dirty leads. All right, Ugh. December twelfth. Le- By the way, Spurs Ever- and leads back to back. Oh, yeah, in the league. Uh, December twelfth, Everton away. December fifteenth, Wolves away. Tough. December twenty first, West Ham home. Tough. December twenty sixth, Arsenal away. Yeah. December 28th, Villa at home. And I'm pretty sure on the 1st or 2nd of January is Manchester City. That's a lot of matches in a short amount of time, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and just to confirm, Manchester City is January 2nd. 
So so, and then you sprinkle in some some matches in between. So it goes Leeds, Krasnodar, Everton, Wolves, West Ham, and then it's all PL from there. So we still have Sevilla this week, Krasnodar next week, to round out the Champions League before we go in full on blitz mode in the Premier League. So uh, unfortunately, there's gonna have to be rotation in the squad and. Kovacic having a good showing today uh, before we hit this this crazy run of matches is important. Frank is going to have to be able to trust these guys. Uh, ben Chilwell is going to need a rest, right? Uh-huh. Um, and is going to need a rest. Even Mason Mount might need a rest. You know, Timo Werner definitely is going to need a rest. We we got to find a time to to do this. The good news is Pulisic had some, some good minutes today as well. So the squad hopefully is getting a little bit deeper. But Dan, take me... Take me to the end here with your Dan of the Match poll. Um, I feel like you teed it up appropriately, and I would like to give you bonus points that mean wow. nothing for that. <laughs> it's like, whose line is it anyway? You know, uh, none of the points matter. Yep. So it's, uh, I said it wouldn't be an attacking player. Fair. And, Thank which, you. Look, it's a nil-nil draw. You, you don't give it to attacking players when nobody scores. So uh, coming in in fourth was Thiago Silva, 16%. Reese James, 19%. Nkolo Kante, who I think was robbed with 26%. And then Mateo Kovacic with 39%. Kante's graded on a curve at his downfall, unfortunately. Because he's so good, right? His All the ceiling time. is so high. Yeah, I, yeah. I get it. I, I Look, I, I just... Like, like, Kante maintained greatness. Kovacic hit a level that we weren't used to. So it, you, so it looks better. You don't know what you have until it's gone. You know, you don't know what happened until it's oh, gone. We saw that You're, last season. You're you're never going to get a complaint out of me for saying Golo Conte's man of the match because he is my man of the match every match. But I do think that our supporters got this one right today, and I was pleased to see that Kovacic got the love that he deserved because Brandon clearly was not going to give it to him. So I, I admitted that I probably just didn't watch him, and I was open ears. Uh, the stats told a very involved fo- picture. I am I am happy. Can I take us just quickly back to the schedule? <laughs> because the I, schedule. Because the I, think, schedule. I think we may, may have even had too light of a touch on this. Uh, Leeds play an exhausting style of football. If you watch their match against Everton, it's going to be a struggle. And not because I think they're overly talented. I think they just play a weird style of high press, high energy football that's going they to never let They never go away. No. It's obnoxious. Non-stop. Yep. Not a team you want to play against, especially at this stage of the season. Uh, Everton, while they may have fallen off clearly from their from their early season run, Goodison's always hard for us. Tough match. Wolves away. They just beat Arsenal today. Tough match. Without Jimenez, who left on a stretcher. Ugh, by the mm-hmm. way, prayers up to him because that looked horrible. Um, horrible. West Ham, the Declan Rice Derby. Winner gets Declan. Um, those are the rules. Uh, they're playing really well somehow. Yeah. I don't know how, but they're playing really well. Arsenal, Nemesis. Terrible team, uh, playing terribly. But by the time we play them at the end of December, they'll be rocking and rolling for sure. And then Villa, who right now is is overachieving. That's a yeah. hard, hard run. And so my only thought here, Dan, is for the Why Not Us crew out there, the reason that I have not yet committed myself to this Why Not Us ideology is because today's match was the first time since Liverpool that we played a you know kind of top team. And again, it was a nil-nil. It was like a nil-nil draw, just like it was against United. And we have a bunch of hard matches in a row coming up. Uh, three days, two days. Like, it, it's going to be a challenge. So, like, if Chelsea make it out of this unscathed, now we're cooking with gas. And this thing could be on and popping. If we start dropping stuff, just I, I want to throw it out there. Like, this is going to be a crucial stretch of fixtures. You know it sucks. Tottenham play Arsenal December sixth, um, and then they play Liverpool the sixteenth and Leicester the twentieth, and they have EFL Cup matches in there, and then they play Wolves. So yeah, you, you idiots who won that match. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's some four dimensional chess right there. <laughs> Liverpool obviously play Tottenham, but in that they have a, a breezy, a breezy mm-hmm. December. Now they come out the other side with United, Tottenham. Um, in Brighton right away. You, know, you got to throw Brighton in there because I had nothing else to go off of. But um, it's going to be, you know, it's always a busy time of year. Coming out of it, you got to be, you know, in the hunt. 
you got to pick up points against the the quote unquote smaller teams, uh, and that's the most important thing. Hey, look before we get to the table review, guys. I've been sitting on this tweet from DPZ. All right, this entire time. I can't believe I've refrained. The, a level of professionalism that I have showed on this episode <laughs> wow, needs tooting, to be applauded. Tooting one's own horn, huh? Paul Tierney's drowning here. That's the tweet. The fact that I didn't get into his shocking performance, a JV-level referee refereeing varsity for all you Americans out there, uh, he, that just shows you we did not take the easy way out. He's today. he's not ready for this. Like he wasn't ready for this level today. No. It's just clear. Like, and again, maybe it's it, it might not be his fault. You know, it may just be the fixture congestion and like you know all these referees are being stretched to their max. But like, the Premier League has to put, especially in one of these derbies, they have to put your terrible Anthony Masons or someone in here, right? Or Anthony Taylor. Sorry, not yeah. Anthony Mason. Uh, Anthony Taylor, someone who has experience in these big fixtures, because. Tierney just didn't. He looked lost, Dan. You you need someone who actually is. A, I think these matches are better suited when you have someone who's a little bit more card happy early, who yeah. settles the game. Because I mean, this this kind of goes back to you know being Mourinho or being Jose in that this is exactly what he teaches his sides to do, and this is what we asked maybe Frank and our team to do a little bit more of was stick in for the tactical fouls, which we mm-hmm. did. We just got whistled on everyone, and Spurs didn't. So. So, okay, well, so, happy thousandth know, match, Roman. Glad we could give you a draw and stunning performance. You can blame Sean Dyche because he's always complaining that Burnley get the shit referees, and he's like, "We never get the good referees, and it causes problems." Well, Burnley, maybe if you showed up, Sean. All right, five nothing for the fifth season in a row against Manchester City, and you take Lee Mason. Not great, you know, but it's better. Yeah. It's better than Tierney. And now look what happens. You get a real match with teams actually competing for something. We get freaking tyranny. So anyways, ran over. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. It should have been a lot worse, but we didn't. I would have so, taken Mariner or somebody. like. <laughs> remember Bobby Madley back in the day? Um, the table as it stands. As we said, Tottenham in first on 21 points. Liverpool in second, level on points. Chelsea remain in third on 19 points. Uh, our goal difference is level with Spurs. are both at plus 12. Uh, Leicester City in fourth. Southampton fifth. And Wolves sixth. That kind of rounds out your top six. Uh, some notable mentions. Manchester United robbing Saints of all three points today and jumping up to eighth. Manchester City, as I said, absolutely thumping Burnley for five. And they're up to 10th. Arsenal... That ship is sinking fast. They are down to 14th. Uh, West Brom climbing the ranks. They're 17th on six points. These are and the only Connor teams in the way. By the Gallagher table, by the way. goal, yep. too, which yep. is the important thing to call out. So I wanted to call that out. Yep. So in case you didn't hear Dan as I talked over him accidentally, uh, Gallagher, the big goal for them. Um, six points. Burnley in 18th on five points. Fulham in 19th on four points. And Sheffield United have one point. One point from ten matches. Wilder's going to get sacked. It just you can read between yeah. the tea leaves here. It's just it's not going to be acceptable to be Sheffield on one point after last season for them. Uh, yeah, and he's Which unfortunate. He's, he's lashing out too now. Like I think, I think that's kind of notable. I, the one thing I would say about the table here, um, for all of the shit talking about United and City, there are. Th- Three and four points off of us right now. Yep. Unfortunately, it's still tight that we can't spew and, mad garbage yet. And with a game in hand, United could go level. So I just I, I say this because it's like we feel good about ourselves. We we understand that we're playing good, that we have good depth. It's not as if these these other teams are just going to hand it to us. Yeah. I think the thing, though, that's different from maybe last season where we were relying a lot on others to do work mm-hmm. on our behalf this season, it's what where we are is more reflective is reflective of us performing better in general. So I, I think that's maybe the different 
kind of lens that I would put on this is that, you know, we are scoring well, you know, we've got, you know, it tied on goal difference with, with Tottenham for best, you know, tied with Liverpool and, you know, I think just, yeah, just Liverpool for uh, most goals scored. So like we are doing what we need to do and we're taking care of our business. Like that is a much better position to be in where, you know, even if we fall down to fourth with Leicester to play Fulham still, I'm so feeling much better about where we are from where we were like last season and like hoping other results and like having to go like, okay, well, if this team loses here or draws here, then the way it's going to work out is we'll have to like do, you know, get this many max points. We're taking care of our business. All right. Chelsea fans, that's going to wrap us up here. Uh, the We've got, obviously this pod's dropping on a Monday. We're going to have the December or the November month in review dropping on the 1st of December, which is Tuesday. December's already here. That's why we're talking about it so much. Panic. Uh, then we're going to have Full another panic. pod. <laughs> yeah, we'll have another pod after Sevilla, and then we'll obviously preview the Leeds, Matt. So you got another four-week banger. All right. I hope you got your schedules clear. I hope you made some time because we're going to have a lot for you. Uh, let us know what you agreed with this match. Let us know what you disagreed with from this match review. Uh, we always love engaging with you guys all on the social media. Again, shout out to the Discord community. Really want to encourage you to jump in on that one. Dan and Nick, gentlemen, you are fantastic. Really appreciate you dedicating time for the show. Uh, but the listeners are the best part, and I have to reiterate that every single time. So that's going to wrap us up for this one. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.